Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Huddersfield Town Social. If talk talk will ever let me record this. Well, we like to call it the ideas podcast these days because we're full of them and we're glad to see that the club are trying to take on board some of our genius thinking. Anyway, my name's Greg Mora, Cameron Pope and Ian Kilroy join me yet again and Dick has finished the cricket season. So he's much obliged to be back on the podcast as we look back on another week in the soap opera that is Huddersfield Town and just like Brookside, we're waiting for the body to be found the canal side but first we'll start with the one-all draw with Rotherham as Ian rightfully predicted they sat back town struggled to break them down it took a 90th minute own goal even though the club tried to claim it was peeper to get something from the game at the New York Stadium gentlemen what do we make of that game Ian I, I think we need to start with you I know Cam's always first but uh, Mystic Mystic Ian you can tell you're, you're going to be a semi-pro manager one day it's exactly as we thought it would be. Rotherham came, well, we, we went to Rotherham and they just sat really deep. Last year, we couldn't break teams down at all. And for all the um, guff being spoken, the, the squad is pretty much the same with a couple of, of improvements in the starting eleven and a few more weaknesses across across the squad. But we, we knew going into the season that if teams sit deep, we don't necessarily have the creative players to, to break them down and create chances. And now... Rotherham sat deep and we didn't really create too many chats, especially in that first half. That was pretty awful, but we'll skip that and move on to the second pretty quick. But we've come out of that. After going a goal down, we've actually got a point out of it. And now I only see that as a positive, even though with the 70% possession um, and, and the lack of clear-cut chances, to, to actually come away with a point after going behind for the first time in quite a while, I, I think. That, 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 is, that's a, that, that is trusting the process. That's what I'm doing right now. Because every week that goes past, we're seeing a little bit more this week we saw for the first time that um, the the lead style, the, the Johnny Hogg, the, the number six, dropping deep into centre back and, and playing as a back three and letting the wing backs push forward. Now I, I think that was a little bit to do with with Rotherham sitting so deep and that allowed us to do it. And I don't think we'll be doing it just yet so often until we've got the right guys in. But Sa made a massive difference at centre back, didn't he? He was he was a presence. And he just he just did things that that between Schindler and, and Stearman they haven't really done this season. I thought. For, for a game against a team that's already got four points, it's good. It's good. You can't you can't get upset at only taking a point, regardless of how well you played. The problems with with the the lack of goals is something we're all aware of. Everyone's aware of. The club must be aware of it now. Um, and it might take to this ninety sixth minute, but when you're pushing like we did all game, it just shows the belief every single player has in the system, and that every single player believes each, in each other and the coach, because that is a difficult thing to do. When the wing backs are pushing on that far and underlapping and overlapping, the wingers are intelligent enough to allow the fullbacks to do so and, and still drop in for a little bit of cover. Rotherham broke once against us on the counter attack, even with us nearly playing a back two at times when Hoggy took the ball forward. They didn't offer anything and we just did. We just we just kept going. Clear cut chances out there. All we have is the the underlap to the wing and the the, the pullback to um, the penalty spot. But it's a point. It's, and we've got four points now. It's more than we got over through nine games last season. So um, it really is a, a decent start. And with a week left of the transfer window, um, we really could be okay if, if things fall into place this week. Well, lads, for me, I mean, I echo a lot of, of Ian's sentiments. Uh, few of the occasions on which a draw felt so much like a win. So, like, 
And you know what, gents, I'm, I'm going to break with tradition, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not a stickler for historical constraints. You know, I don't, I don't care much for, for rules. I don't, eat, I don't eat fish on Good Friday. I, I take the lift to the first floor if I can't be asked, and I'll actually admit it. I enjoy watching Huddersfield Town on a weekend. I had fun. I had fun uh, on Saturday at three o'clock. I actually enjoyed myself, right? And I know that, that, that that's that's going against the grain. That's 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 not been something I've been able to say in a while. But I had fun, okay? And all right, Rotherham were poor, abjectly so. Newly promoted, they didn't test Ben Hamer at all in the second half and very well, very little in the first. Um, but even so, you know, credit by credit to you, we saw a lot of plus points that Ian's just touched on. Um, attempts, we simply got the ball into the box more, into the right areas. I had a wide from Diakabi late on. Karoma had two back-to-back chances. That lovely lofted ball over the top from Iting there. He was really unlucky then up to, you know, a better day. He finishes that or he squares it. Um okay, yeah, the finishing leaves a lot to be desired. It always has. That's not going to change in one week. It's not going to change with the same crop of players, I don't think. And our expected goals was actually down below one again. I was quite surprised to see that, but there's still work to do. And we can't afford to be that wasteful against better sides, e.g. Swansea after the international break. Um, However, we look menacing and we actually deserve that goal. And okay, that probably wasn't the goal that we deserved because, I mean, that shot was probably ended up in workshop, but somehow it managed to find its way into the back at net. Um, only problem is, wasn't consistent. We didn't get into the attacking third enough in the first half. Campbell was dropping back quite deep. And, you know, I'm no tactical genius. That's not really my field. But with a, with a lone striker, I, I don't think something's going right there in the build-up play if a lone striker is having to drop so deep out of the attacking third to pick up the ball. Thankfully, second half, we looked a bit more convincing. So it's certainly not the finished article, but for me, again, step in the right direction. The full-backs were mobilised again. We saw just how effective people could be once more. Um, like we've said, seeing the centre-halves overlapping into midfield, that's something new, a bit of a new facet that we hope to see a little bit more of. It's like they're growing into this, into this new system. So for me, and my takeaway from this from this Saturday, the system works and it looks good. So where are the rest of the players we need to deliver it properly? Yeah, I'm not particularly a, a tactical genius like, like, like you can, um, but I, even I noticed the, the chain. There was one point in the highlights that, that I watched, because <clears throat> I'll be honest, when we went one nil down, I tweeted, that's it, game over, um, and went off to hang some pictures because I genuinely presume that's how things work with town at the minute. We go one nil down and that's it, forget it. So I wasn't watching it, but I, I went off to do some some DIY around the house and was pleasantly surprised when we, we got something back. Um, but I noticed that at one stage there was an attack down the left-hand side, probably Toffolo crossing the ball in, and we got five or six um, yellow-shirted players in the box. And that we haven't seen that for... Two or three years. Um, now I'm still mourning the loss of the Cowley brothers. I, I think they were lovely, wonderful people, um, and I don't think they deserved what they got. But I could see a change in that. And the, the, the fullbacks pressing on. Um, I, I really, what I saw, I really, really liked. And I think if he's if he's given time and space to um, to get players in, as as Ian said, I think we'll be able to do something with it. I didn't see him crouching down which really annoys me on the touchline when he does that. Um, just just stand up, man. Stand up and do the thing stood up. Why this crouching down thing? Just because that bloke up the road does it. And have a bucket next. Don't want that. Um, but carry on with this pushing forward thing. <laughs> uh, it's quite quite enjoyable. So, yeah. I, I just love to be in a stadium and see it happen. Um, and just watching it on the screen is just, just not the same. But, yeah, it, as, as you've all said, it looked like there was progression. Looks like they've all bought into it. We look to be really busy. 
Carol Eitin, I'm, I'm really impressed with. Going back to the Forest game, um, he, he played a couple of beautiful balls into whoever it was, probably Campbell, really struck it really well. Um, so, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a lot of time for him. I think he's going to, if we can stick, he can stay injury free, it'll be a good. Uh, but, yeah, a, a good point. You take a point away from home, you? no matter who it is. I think all this, oh, it seems like Rotherham, that's just disrespectful. But I enjoyed what I saw. Nabi Saar um, made his debut and he's probably marauding forward a little bit like Joel Lynch used to. I mean, we saw it in the highlights, but there are definite signs of some form of DNA which are slowly coming together. And uh, Saar and Toffolo are probably going to be most key in driving us forward probably in the next couple of months at least because you're going to have one of Schindler and, and, and Stearman on that right-hand side. I'm not sure they can quite play the same game. And Hogg can play in that deeper role well. But how, how do you guys rate the debutant, Sar? Because I thought it was quite good. I thought it was fantastic, Greg. I thought it was clear to see why we brought him in. And if you remember from the first couple of games in the season, both Schindler and Stearman were both really manhandled at a corner and crossing. And now looking at Nabisar and his build, He's not going to be manhandled by anyone. He won't lose a header, I don't think, all season. He was, he was um, set. So when you defend corners, you can do it a couple of ways. You can go man for man, or you can do zonal. And if you look at what Town did with, with Abisara a little bit, is they left him pretty zonal on, on the edge of the six-yard box. And what his job is, is just to go out and clear it with his head. So you don't have to necessarily mark anyone. It's a pretty loose marking, even if it is. And he just goes and meets the ball and gets rid of it. Unfortunately, for their goal, that's what he actually did. The corner came in and he, and he, he clears it. And um, rather than recycle it and get it back in after Fraser Campbell doesn't go out and close down the midfielder when um, the balls come back in from the right-hand side to, to Ben Wiles, I think it was. To be fair on that, actually, um, Nabi Sars made a bit of an error. It might have been a fantastic debut all the way around there. But if you look, uh, Fraser Campbell doesn't go out and meet it. And with the shot going in, Nabi Sars, the ball goes past his foot. Um, and for me... He didn't even move towards it. And that's an error, but he's a big lad and he hasn't played for, for quite a while. So that might be a nitpicking and without seeing the, the footage behind the goal and the proper um, footage from all the 22 cameras, I think, or something. On the game, it's hard to, and it may be a bit unfair to point out, but to uh, pick on him for that. But you can see it was what we needed because we were getting out muscled in the centre-backs and you didn't expect that with Steeman and Schindler. But again, they've got a little bit older, maybe that's the case. But as debuts go, for me, I thought it was, it was bang on. I think you can see already that there's going to be um, some fun moments there. There was a little uh, long ball that went in and he, he headed it back to Hamer from about 35 yards backwards without looking at who was behind him. And that was that was, that was bold and it worked. Um, and then he put a Hollywood pass about 50 yards across field, I think, to, to Pippa for absolutely no reason at all again in the second half. And and, and those moments, they're entertaining, Cam. That, that, that's what I, when I see a centre-back playing the ball around like that, I love it. Because um, not many centre-backs can... Problem is you get caught a little bit by doing that, and, and I imagine he he will do. But but for for the the issue we had with with no centre backs that were really dominant, even just in one game he was definitely that, and he 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 made a, a big impact. And with a team like us where we don't really have many players that can do that anymore, maybe they could three four years ago when it comes to Schindler and Hogg and all the leaders we had then. Straight away, he just he just it, to me. Again, Rotherham sat deep, so it's not necessarily a game you can judge too much on. It really is a one-off because we won't play against many teams. We, it's all right saying we should be beating teams like Rotherham. Most teams in our division will be coming to us saying that, oh, we should be beating teams like Huddersfield. And they won't sit back so deep against us. They'll they'll try and break us down on the attack a little bit unless unless they're struggling at the bottom of the division. And 
and they want a cheap little point. But that game was a one-off. But in that game, our defence looked much improved because of the debutant. And um, Josh Mash and uh, the transfer committee looked pretty good for me so far this season with Pippa, Iting and um, Nabi Saar. So maybe we've been a bit too harsh on them recently, boys. Well, you know, we said credit where credit's due that we would... Praise when uh, when it was when it was needed, just as much as we feel like we can we should criticise when when it's called upon. And so yeah, look the players that we've brought in. So okay, ninety minutes, a good ninety minutes. Uh, I think you can tell there's definitely something there. I'm uh, really impressed with Peeper. So yeah, I'm thinking all right so far, good dealing. Problem is there's just not enough of it. Um, but that's another story, and I think that's something we we'll get onto. Um, but for what we have done, the limited business we have done, yep, yeah, so far to me it looks pretty spot on. Natural segue. I think you've all said it, and Andy said it earlier. It's the final third, and, and I know. Is it Josh Karoma or Coroma? That's one of the arguments that need to be set. So, well, well, I always thought it was Karoma because we'd heard it all the way through. And then the first time I heard Coroma was um, was from when I watched the highlights this morning uh, on like the EFL's feed, and I've never heard Coroma before then. So I, I'm I'm going to stick with Karoma. Uh, I feel like too far in, but I, I, as for an actual accurate uh, portrayal of his name, I'm none the wiser. Right, well, well we're going Karoma because it's more Yorkshire. That's, that, that's settled. Anyone else is wrong. Um, he had a couple of opportunities. I think he's had the second amount of shots in, in the league. Um Hasn't scored yet, you know. Ian, you're in the fan club, but I've I've got my reservations about him. Um, there's there's definitely something in there. But we're lacking quality, but it's quality in that final third. And, and we saw, you know, Fraser Campbell working hard. He created a couple of chances, quarter chances, half chances out of nothing yesterday. We were here a week ago, and you know, I think we were all expecting some movement in the transfer market with. Uh, Mr. Carlan Grant expected to go to West Brom on what deal? We're yet to know. There's, there's rumours of a loan to buy. We, we shall wait and see on, on that. Terence Congolo has been linked with Sheffield United, who seems to be going through the same second season syndrome that we did, um, but bought some better players than, than we did, to be fair to them. Um, them two going out, you'd expect with everything else that we'd have some kind of movement with some people coming in but there's been nothing there's been barely any rumours on anything is that a good thing well who knows um, I think it still stands we need a strike we need a winger we need an attacking midfielder until we get those three players we just don't have the strength and depth because again taking Ian's point from last week you look at the bench the very little that we could change yesterday it's going to be a big eight days for us I mean it, it's going to be difficult for the club if nothing much happens in the next eight days well i'm i'm sweating on this a little bit now um look we've we've spoken in previous episodes and you know we could just copy and paste really what we want uh, from transfers what we think we're lacking and we're all buying in now to this philosophy that carlos has brought but it's quite clear that we're too thin on the ground. We've just had a spate of injuries. We've lost, uh, obviously, a vital part of the defence in, in Christopher Schindler. Okay, not as vital as it might have been before the arrival of Nabi Saar, but still someone that you want fighting fit uh, and ready for action. Uh, Danny Ward, we've not really seen him this season. So, okay, and that's long-standing injuries. Lewis O'Brien's not played a part yet. So if this is what we're going to be contending with, we need to have a contingency plan. And so I'm not going to drag up exactly what we've quoted in the last few episodes because everyone knows what we need now, what what additions we ought to be bringing in. 
but the lack of traffic is worrying. And I think in this year, especially when teams are going to be more cautious with their expenditure, I can't see there being a big deadline day swoop. Not that that's really town's uh, style anyway, but I don't see it. I feel the way I see it is the longer the window goes on, the less likely we have to bring bodies in. And we've not been hearing whispers. I mean, not saying that we're all in the know and that we've, we're fine tuned with all the workings of the ins and outs of the club, but you know, fans, media, podcasters, everyone gets that little inkling, don't they, when a signing comes in? It's very rare that someone comes in fresh out the blue and, and everyone's got their ears to the ground. Nothing's coming through at the moment. So, I mean, the clock's ticking and it's worrying just the complete lack of buzz about it now. So I hope with the football, domestic football out of the way for a couple of weeks, that's the main focus for us now because I don't want to see us hanging on just with this quite thin squad of players, when we've obviously got a mould that works for us, now is the time to fill those gaps. And I do fear that they're going to remain empty. I completely agree. I, I cannot see any incomings in the in the transfer because the club have been telling us we've got this, one of the few very little bits of communication they've done with us is that we've got all these great young lads and we're going to develop them. So I think that Coglow will go. I think that Grant will eventually go to get their costs off the book. And I genuinely think this is what we've got. Because like you said, Cam, we're not being linked with anybody. We're not seeing anything. So there's nothing that's... I mean, a lot of activity will happen at the back end of the transfer window. A lot of clubs are holding their cards close to the chest, trying to use what little money they've got as effectively as they can and run the, run the market down and run prices down. Um, I, the, the lack of being linked and the fact they've already come out and told us that we've got all these young kids... I don't think there'll be anybody. And I think the, the likes of Karoma, um, I, I really admired the way that he um, battled up front when he was stuck up. I can't remember if it was against Norwich. He was stuck up front once he went, when Campbell wasn't fit enough to play him longer than about two seconds or something. So, uh, yeah, I really liked his attitude then. But th there's this like, this Phillips lad that we signed from Everton that is coming in, this, this Kean Harrett. Genuinely think we won't sign anybody, and and I think they will justify use the COVID situation as a way of almost securing the club's future by whatever money we get will go would go into the running of the club because I don't think any of us know how difficult it is at the minute for the club financially, and the fact that we're we're just not seeing any activity commercially tells me that there's there's a lot of struggle going on there that they're they're just not getting anything. Um, so I I. Genuinely, I hope I'm massively wrong and we get at least another three players in that you were talking about, but I just don't think it'll happen. Oh, look, with transfers now, I'm getting more and more worried by the day. Um, I think when we first started talking about how many transfers we wanted in, we were looking at three, a few attacking guys. To be honest, my, my demands have changed a little bit seeing how reliant we are on fullbacks. We mentioned last week, if Toffolo, who's probably one of the best fullbacks outside the Premier League, I'll just, I'll just slip that in there right now and Pippa, one of them gets injured, our entire system collapses in on itself. So regardless of how much money we don't have, if we don't go out and get another fullback, this entire system will collapse when they miss a game. But it's just so late now. And the thing is, as as um, most town fans, I imagine, are aware, the, the guys we've actually brought in up until this point, this transfer window, we were all aware somewhat of every single one. All the names were linked to us by that point. Now, just a week out from transfer deadline, there is no name that I'm aware of flying about anywhere in regards to coming into the club. And usually... Like you say, a pretty good finger on the pulse is uh, uh, podcasters and and if you're down the map, there's always people there in the know sharing little tidbits. And if you if you piece it all together, 
normally after the fact, you can go back and see the little hints and the little names that were dropped by certain people and find out, oh yeah, they were on the ball. They knew what was going on. As of now, I don't think anyone here knows any names linked with the club. And now that's a huge warning sign. I think that could be down to needing players to leave um, before we can bring new players in. It shouldn't be that way, but it is where it is. We know that. We've gone into that in, in great depth before. Um, Grant not leaving would actually solve a problem up top and goals. Or he would he would chip in, I think, with enough goals in this system to, to be okay. So if Grant stays and when we can get another fullback in, I think the only piece we're missing there is an attacking midfielder. But after... Um, what happened midweek in in with um, Phil Hodgkinson and Matt Devlin going to not the fans because we're not worth the time it seems other than the ATT group but going direct to the national media in in regards to asking or, or um, not demanding but saying clubs require a bailout either from the government or the EFL or some some football authority because of the effect of having no fans in the stadium will have on um, all all clubs now throughout this season after after the government U-turn. Um, after that, I don't think there's any coincidence that that would happen this week. I think that is um, half telling fans that money is tighter than we thought it might be. And we might have no fans, uh, no signings, like Andy said. I think I think we're going to struggle. I think if we bring anybody in, it'll be uh, a loan signing on a, on a very small um, salary contribution. And if that's the case, it's all right. Rotherham away, who, who sit back and, and ask us to beat them. But if, if you go into the better teams in division, with what we've got, we are really going to struggle to score goals unless unless Grant's back in and it'll, it'll be good for a few. But even that alone, it's a big ask and you're relying on one guy again and seasons go downhill very quickly when that happens and somebody gets injured or suspended. Um, or even worse, if you lose him on the final day of the transfer window and we're left with nothing. And we've seen that before with Aaron Moy. He was not replaced as town fans, we've seen it many, many times. Um, and the more this goes on without players coming in or without even, even us hearing about it, even rumours, it gets more worrying by the day. Well, I think I think there's a lot to be said about... I think this brings us on to the wider topic of communication in general, really, doesn't it? Because um, unfortunately, there's been a lot to talk about uh, in and around this weekend's game. And it was only so long I think we could go without not without not mentioning it. Um, I mean, that's the most lively I've ever seen in Huddersfield Town Twitter um, in a long time. And we hadn't even got the team sheets for another three hours uh, from this weekend. Um, and so, yeah, okay, I think we should point out the good and the bad. Um, the good, as Ian has touched on, is that we've started seeing that um, programmes, etc., are going to be given out to season ticket holders, uh, things like this. We've seen movements with the AT&T group. However... However, uh, there's no ignoring the storm that, uh, that, that went down on, on Saturday. And this brings us back to a point that we've made in the past and that we'll make again. And let's be clear, okay, um, this has never been about individual cases or however high profile uh, members may be. But when, obviously, the name Andy Booth was getting thrown around town Twitter, um, I'm, I mean, okay, the whispers are a bit have been going on for a while. It wasn't just something that happened on Friday night. Um, and I think we saw a lot of good from town fans there rallying around. And I think we've been, I've one have been exasperated at times towards the end of last season and beginning of this one in that people don't seem to, seem to be happy with the status quo and don't seem happy to challenge things they don't think are going right. Um, 
especially when outlets like ourselves are from trying to call it out and we got shut down say for being too negative or i saw the word conspiracy thrown about uh, in ample measure this weekend but it just takes a bit of reading between the lines and i don't really like what's going on with regards to the sponsorship that is the single biggest no-no we've had this season i think uh the fact that the club is coming out and you know in case okay if anyone Hadn't heard in previous episode, they came out and admitted that they turned down um, a shirt sponsorship deal because it undervalued the club and it didn't meet um, what they thought we were worth. And now I'm not exactly sure like what that means and how much we really are worth, given that you know we hung on to our second division status by the skin of our teeth last year. But championship shirt deals before COVID, on average, went for about £500,000. That's probably gone down a little bit now we're down the bottom of the pecking order. So we're probably not punching, you know, the likes of 32 red, et cetera, et cetera. But these are still going to probably be six figure sums. It's going to be hefty money. And the club turned that down. The club turned that down because they didn't think it was good enough. Um, and we're in the biggest, you know, financial crisis, certainly of my lifetime, probably in all our lifetimes. And nothing is for certain. And so to turn that down and then be turning people out of jobs, ordinary working people behind the scenes, not playing staff, people in the ticket office, people in liaison, and they're out of jobs now. At one of the toughest times for families, for people in our area um, that we can even remember. And so, of course, it took the name Andy Boo to, I think, reach this uh, this problem out to most of our fan base, to the wider areas, so to those who, uh, and there's no problem with this, but those who take an interest in the Saturday, don't really mind too much Sunday to Friday. That's your prerogative. Absolutely no problem. But I like how it got everyone involved this time. People started to take a note and I thought that was really important. It showed a lot of good that we have in the fan base. Um, I know, okay. And that got shut down, but I think this brings up more questions and answers really. And I think it exposes an ugly underbelly of what's going on here. And I've been talking about this all week. I've been talking about this probably for about three, four minutes now. So I'm going to let someone else get a word in. Um, but this is the probably the single biggest source of concern for me, even bigger than transfers, even bigger than a league position, because this is far removed from what the club used to be like a few years ago. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, I was sort of slightly involved in a little bit of the Twitter thing on um, Saturday morning. Um, and the, the intention behind the, the concern about Boothie, yeah, Boothie's the, the, the flagship name, but like you said, there's lots of other people that have, have gone from the club. But the, the thing is, we don't know. We're not being told. This, we, we've got the image of a family club. I, I did a video three years ago about with Wiesman where we talked about being a family club and was filmed for it. And it was, you know, the, so that, and, it, and we did feel like a family then. It did feel like you were, you were part of something. Now, we, we just, I don't feel like part of anything. And that's going to be natural with not having gone there for a while. But the way that Devlin re replied back to the chap, Andy Needham, who, who tweeted about Boothie, sorry, that was disgraceful. He could have said, oh, sorry, Andy, uh, you're not correct. Andy Booth never has been and never will be made redundant. Thanks for your interest. But he didn't. He, you know, he was snarky about it. He, he had a pop at him, I felt. Um, that's just, that's just absolute amateur hour communication, amateur hour PR. And that, that the guy is, is not, I, I'm just, we're just normal guys, aren't we? We've got season tickets and that, and that's it. I'm in the onside business club, but who, who gives a, nobody gives a shit about that because it's, it probably doesn't exist anymore. But the people who put money into the club in a substantial amount have been spoken to in that way. 
what on earth is going on there that people think it's okay to do that? If the club are struggling, talk to us. We are biggest stakeholder. 11,000 people have left their money in that club and you are not talking to us about what we can do to help and dismissing it when people show concern. That's disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. And it's not because people want to be have the light shone upon them or because they want to be bigged up. It's because we care. Help us to help you, but don't dismiss us out of hand like that because it's, it's just irritated that we would have thought that Andy Booth would have been this made redundant. That's a shocking piece of PR. Absolutely shocking. That's what wound me up, Andy, this week. That, that's what wound me up about them going to the national media. Are we not good enough to talk to anymore? We've had an ATT meeting behind the scenes that isn't recorded and we've got the minutes from the HGSA. But we're told nothing. We're told absolutely nothing. When the last time Phil Hodgkinson spoke to us, apart from in programme notes that were published two weeks after they were relevant. We, we, don't, we don't get told anything. They turn up asking for handouts, right? And then, and then we've got the CEO putting a snarky little nasty tone tweet in response to something that if it is, if, it, if, if, if Devlin is being accurate, okay, he shut it down. It's not that, like you said, that that bothers me. It's not shutting it down that bothers me. The club should be using that kind of um, source of communication to be able to do stuff like that in a correct manner. I feel like Diddley is after he got a little bit, um, a little bit offhand on a on a weekend, and now Devlin's gone off on that, and it just didn't sit right. The tone was so wrong. And isn't he a business partner? Isn't like this is to a business partner. This is to a previous person that put money into the club so not only now have we not got a sponsorship on the front of the shirt which i find absolutely crazy when we've got two shareholders that both own companies for starters and we don't have that anymore and now we're going out putting in little tweets to business partners that are probably going to mean they're not going to come back to us again anyway and then we're going asking for bailouts and, and handouts and and a payment structure from the leagues when it's our fault for alienating the fans as all these few season tickets for there's no sponsorship because we thought it wasn't worth what it's worth yet. In capitalism, market price is always fair. The value reflects what it is actually worth. And now we're sending little tweets to business partners that are probably going to get them offside as well. Who are we being good to? Like, it's just error after error after error. after. It's, and that's it when people refer to it being a circus. Last year, the football side of it at the beginning was a joke. And, and the year before, the signings was a joke. So the circus then was on the playing style the playing side. And now it's totally shifted from what we had with Dean Hoyle um, and his ownership. And, his, and he made it a community club, Andy. You say it, it could be because we're not in the stadium. I've not been in the stadium for 10 years. I've not been back to the UK for 10 years. Yet for the last three years, I've not probably missed a game because of the uh, availability now of streaming services. But when Dean Hoyle was there, I felt connected. I felt totally connected to the club. And, that, and some of that was not even streaming games. Some of that was just listening to it on the radio to, to argue through where a town player and I felt connected. I still felt connected. That's why I'm still a massive fan now after being away for so long. But it's such a massive U-turn in the last 18 months. And I think a lot of it comes down to the club flapping because of the change in finances and, and paying to... We never, ever, ever could have expected spending so much money on players that have now got a market value of next to nothing. It's one thing buying Munier for over 10 million and getting 5 million back for him. But for me, that's kind of like your worst case across the board, really, if you buy someone for 10 and they lose half the value, especially if they're a youngish player like Mbenza and Diakabe. Unfortunately, we can't even 
get players off the books anymore, can we? There's certain players that are on, on wages that are so so high. Like the only rumor I have seen recently was that the Pritchard one that people were looking, but his wages might have been too high type thing. And that's no surprise if that's the case. We you kind of understand that. So the club's flapped a little bit and it's just all gone off in the background. And unfortunately, what's been forgotten about and, and treated worse than everyone is those guys, is the fans. There's no communication from the club anymore. And the problem with that is when there is no communication, as Greg will tell you, that's because usually the news is pretty shit. If there's anything good, the first to push that out the door, we've got loads of uh, emojis on tweets and Instagram. And there's anything, anything that happens, um, the positiv- positivity is shared. And when it goes radio silent, you just fear the worst because of what's gone on the last couple of uh, couple of seasons. Really, this the disconnect is real. It is real, and I don't know if they're even aware of it. I don't genuinely know if they know how bad it is. And um, what more do you need to know than that? Well, it's it's. I, I, I struggle to believe that they don't realise how much of a disconnect there is now um, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere to be seen. It's all people have been clamouring about. The various media outlets have been on the back of this, the various podcasts. Um, we've been asking and asking and asking for better communication. And we've started to see the first tentative steps, which, of course, is a good thing. Like, credit where credit is due. I'm aware I've used that three times in this episode. Now I need to find a new phrase. Um, but I've got to say that this wouldn't have come about and what happened on Saturday would not have come about if there had been that connection with the club. People want to know, and I think people maybe were slow to, to realise because, you know, we're, we're all wrapped up in various things on Monday to Friday. And so when you see that we've turned, or when it wasn't released by the club, it was released by someone who obviously works high up in the club for his personal Twitter that we turned down a shirt sponsorship, that sort of slipped under the radar. And now I feel like that's been given the attention it deserves. And then now, obviously, the connection's been made um, to the fact that people have gone out the door, the fact that people have been laid off by this club and, you know, can, may continue to be being laid off by this club. And so I think they deserve answers more than anything. And like Andy said, people putting money into the club, whether that's um, as partners or as fans, they, they deserve to know as well. And if there had been this communication in the first place, then then perhaps, but then, and so when the only communication on the subject is a snarky remark, and I, th- I thought that was really uncalled for as well, to be quite honest, um, I'd, Look, no one, no one can prove it either way. It's all hearsay, as we said. It was whispers, and then we've said so we've got okay, one man's word to say that it wasn't happening. Do I personally believe it? No, because I think that was, I think that is the logical business response to something like that. When there's uh, outrage about a town legend being laid off, then the wise decision would be to, you know, to keep him on to save face. Um, I don't know either way. Never will know. But for me, I don't know the whole thing. It's just very suspect. And it also concerned me a little bit to see the number of town fans who, as soon as that word came out um, from Devlin saying that, oh, he never was, never will um, be losing his job. Well, people just seem to lap that up straight away. But does the way that this club has, has, has delivered its communications over the last few months in particular fill you with confidence? You know, do you, are you happy to take everything at face value? And I'm, I'm not calling anyone out for, for lying, for being untruthful. All I'm saying is we need a bit more critical thinking. And so it disappointed me that still there's factions of the support that are happy to just jump straight on the club line. I think it's important. Fans are the largest voice at a club. I think it's important that, you know, we get on side with current affairs and work out for ourselves what is happening. And we can't just go and lap up each tidbit of information we get. We need better communication. We need better representation. Okay. And that has to come from fan base as a whole, I think. And so that has to be one voice together. And if, you know, we've still got members of the fan base who are going to call others out for being, you know, um, what's the word, 
conspiracy theorists or that it's, you know, um, just drumming up controversy. Well, no, that's not the case. Something is clearly, clearly very wrong. It's not a good atmosphere around the club at the moment. And as fans, then, you know, duty to each other, really. Um, it's, it's a one movement thing. And I think it's important that in times like this, where something is seriously, seriously wrong, we do ask the club for answers. And I believe that the club eventually will, will, will give the answers. And the biggest question at the moment is, and the, the, the thing that encapsulates this whole loss of the identity of the community club is that we've started to lay working people off when we're turning down money. And then on top of it, this is just the culmination of many factors in the way that we've been losing money through bad transfer dealings. But this was something that was firmly avoidable just signing the dotted line. And if there's more to it, then okay, but we'd love to hear that. Well, that's it, Cam, though. The communication, it has... Okay, they might be aware of it a little bit, but communicate, it's still one-way communication. We're just being told a little bit. There's no, there's no two-way... No one can ask questions. There's no questions. dialogue. There's no, there's no discourse, there's no, no. There's no questions. Why aren't they answering the questions that we want to ask? Like, even at the ATT meeting, the agenda set, I think, by the club. So there's been no, no opportunity for anyone to ask them questions. And then they go to the national media, and that's where they speak. Why not be answerable to us? Why can't... We ask questions. Okay, you can't get Q&As at the moment in, in buildings so easily, but just do a Zoom call, anything. Just answer our questions. And they're ignoring that. They're, they, are, they are ignoring the requests to answer questions, to ask questions and answer them. And, and that is driving me crazy. And the longer it goes on, the more worried I get with it. Because either they, are, they aren't aware, which makes them dumb, or they are aware and they don't want to. And both of them have huge issues with... And um, I don't know what's worse, but it's just like we're not important to it. It just feels like we're not important. It feels like we are not important enough and I'll just take the money and that's it. Sweet, lovely. We'll do what do. We'll, you'll know what we want you to know. Nice one. Whereas for the last decade, it's not been like that or it hasn't felt like that anyway. It's all about experience these days. It's not just about turning up, slotting 20, 30, well, 30 quid now if you want to watch a match last season anyway. If you, if you waltz up to a ground like it was maybe 30 years ago when it was pay on the day was was a lot different because clubs need that income you lay up your money for a season card up front so they know how much money they got so you have to be engrossed into it as a fan and they've not got it Cam says critical thinking there there's no critical thinking anymore among a lot of people Just look at politics look at football stick a rosette on it and back it 100% don't challenge it that's all it is these days little tidbits little sayings you see it in politics Build back Britain better, whatever it is. Working class club. Honesty, integrity. It's bollocks. It's meaningless bollocks. And it always will be. People lap it up. I don't understand why. I was brought up with to, to, to think about things logically. You know, fans will always do that. And unfortunately, I can't believe how many people are still lapping it up after three years of shite. This isn't just the last two full seasons. This goes back to when we got pumped by Spurs at home when it all starts to go wrong. Ian's right. You are not hearing stuff because there isn't anything good to be heard. And then when the questions, the critical questions come forward, the, the money, the question comes, where's the parachute payments gone? They'll be flapping because they know the answers that will go forward will not be well received by fans. It's the same with Canal side. Yes, I'm making a lot of suppositions here, but I'm basing it on what I know. And the questions out around Canal side are not going to, lead to very good arguments. So, so they don't want to hold them conversations. They can do. And I, I don't think they want us to. I think they want us to lap it up. And it's all right, those, you know, I said it on Twitter uh, when when he went on TalkSport and I said, you know, this is a guy who put on his Instagram, 
that COVID was a three to five day sniffle six months ago, you know, and he's bemoaning the fact that, you know, 10,000 people yesterday have, have got it. Um, you know, another 70 or 80 dead. It's a global pandemic. You, you can't just demand that, uh, you know, fans are let back in stadiums when, you know, it, it comes with a rigmarole of, of people going to the pub before and after the game, how they're getting to the game, how they're getting in and out of the stadiums. You know, if you travel through Lee's railway station through the one-way system, you should see the anger with that. Trying to do a one-way system around the stadium with a bunch of football fans just ain't going to work. So there's a reason that we're not allowed in. And, and I just don't understand how you can blindly follow anything in life without criticising it. So, yeah, I know, Cam, you're a conspiracy theorist who... Uh, um, who believes that uh, poor, poor Andy Boo's getting let go but um, to quote uh, the, a fine man that's called Keith Lard there's no smoke without fire and um, there's, there's, there's a lot of smoke coming out of Huddersfield Town and it ain't because there's a new Pope being announced it's because I just don't know if they know what they're doing and I don't know I don't think the football world knows what it's doing and you see it in the Premier League with all these signings coming in it's still splurging that money splurging it on wages and wages is the huge thing here this is how you reduce costings is reducing wages but the Premier League is still uh, spunking that money like it's no tomorrow and then you got arseholes like Sean Dyche and uh, Palace's chairman oh no no you won't help your local you won't see Sainsbury's helping your local shop out would you if they're going bust well you know Sean Parish at Palace you don't learn your players to them clubs. You don't sign your players from them clubs. And and the football the football tier system is hugely important to how we compete as we compete as a league. And the Premier League is your kind of star. It's the worldwide league, let's be honest. You know, you get people in bloody Ghana playing fantasy pro- fo- football leagues. You don't see any you know us lot playing a fantasy Bundesliga, do you? So football has to change. And I would much prefer to see people like Phil and Mark Devlin leading that on that front rather than going on to talk shite. And Radio 4, I'm surprised by that. They must have been desperate. Um, Radio 4 going on about, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to need some bailout from the government. Everyone wants a fucking bailout from the government now. I work in an industry that has been effectively nationalised. And we know that job cuts are coming, job uh, pay freezes are coming. It's inevitable you got Cineworld shutting down a lot of cinemas now wanting a government bailout. It ain't going to happen. Unfortunately, football clubs are going to have to go bust unless we reevaluate how we run football. And, you know, I think at this moment in time, as fans, we're so removed from the process because we can't go to games that we can't get involved, but we're just desperate for some knowledge about what they're doing. And I don't think we're getting that because they're doing anything. We saw it last season with the Danny Simpson saga. You see clubs like Arsenal who, who would uh, reduce the wages and organise it with players. We haven't done that. And we're going to have clubs who are going to go bust and go to the wayside are going to have to think like that rather than just paying 30 grand a week. And, and that's that's where we're at. You know, you've got two sets of people. It's just a chalk and cheese. And there's, there's no olive branch there. And the olive branches that we had in the past have gone. So... I don't see this continuing until 
there is a, just a massive, big, honest blowout. And there is going to be a blowout. It keeps bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And it isn't because, you know, social media is the place to go. It's the only place that we can go. And when it comes, it's going to be fucking entertaining. I'll tell you that. We've seen it before. As a fan, as someone who wants to see my club survive, number one, but wants to see it succeed, I'm not sure I trust the process remotely to coin a phrase because I don't think there is one. I always presume positive intent. So I'm making a presumption that the people at the club are trying their best to get us out of this shit situation. It's a terrible situation where all their forms of income have, have either been chopped um, significantly or have dried up completely. So they're in a really difficult place, but they're not talking to us about it. And it sticks in the craw that they're not, they're not asking and keeping us up to date. And we've got, we've got situated like the Carl and Grant thing just winds me up. But this guy is sat on the touchline getting paid thousands of pounds a week for not playing for Huddersfield Town when he's contracted to do so. And every time that Corbran gets asked about him, it's a, a, a load of rubbish comes out of his gob about, you know, he's got options to go here or to stay with us. And Tell us what you're doing. Tell us what you're doing. Why you are paying this man this money to not play for our club when you are laying people off and making people redundant that are part of the, um, the, the fabric of the club and have been for years. That just doesn't make sense to me. What sort of business does that? You have superstars on one side of it who you just feed money to and people are losing their jobs at the other end of it. And you're oh, just seriously, it, it's working class club. Where, where, where's the class in that? How's that working? How's that being part of a club? So you come out with your brand values, great. Let's, let's all pretend we're Barcelona and have three brand values like they do. And let's 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 have them, and they'll be great. They're bullshit because they're not living them. Live them, breathe them. Come out, show some class. Talk to the people who make your club, which is us, and let's get working again. So, but whatever that's, whatever you're just sat there not talking to us, and and got talk sport. What are you doing on there? What are you doing on there? The worst radio station that's ever existed, and you talk to them rather than us. Oh, mate. Come on, Phil. I know he's had some dreadful stuff on social media. He really, really has. And it's some of the stuff that people have said to him have been disgraceful. So I understand why he's taking himself off there. But you can't just go to the other end and just completely be silent and then talk to that. But we could be helping this club. Not, not by necessarily doing a lot, but we could just be listening to him, if nothing else, and letting people know what's going on. That's the bare minimum that we expect to support us of this family club. And we're not getting it. My lad's losing connection with his club. Um, it, it was very, he was very lucky that it became a season ticket holder in the season that we went up. So he thinks it's all about Premier League and Championship. He's not, he hasn't been to Macclesfield away and lost four 0 I was there. I was there, and you can check out whether I was there. I'm not bloody Phil saying I was at ten one when I wasn't. I was at Macclesfield four 0 away, and we've got people sat on their backsides who could connect with my son. Somebody said on here about connecting back with, you know, doing something for people. Don't talk to me, players. 
get those players to pick the phone up and talk to the kids who are season ticket holders and encourage them to stay with us and give them some tips and spend 10 minutes talking to a room full of kids on Zoom and see the impact that has and re keep repeating it until we get a people who are building again around this club. Don't just sit and wait and hope that it will go away because it won't. No, that's it. Be proactive. The, the, be proactive, not reactive. That's that's it. In it and it. And the thing with the booby stuff, it shows you how fans now have just had enough. Like it's just got to that point that they so willingly jump on something that's based on tweets online. Like, every, like people were diving in because they've seen it happen so much recently that they just presumed it was true, and we've not been told otherwise. But I think it's more of a case that like first they came for John Eager and we said nothing, and then they came for Mark Hudson and we said nothing then. And it took Andy Boobie and we all stood up and, and revolted against it. That, that's we, we finally did it. Boobie is what causes us to unite. And and like I say, for for once, we are all united. The town community is one because we can't take Andy Boobie away from us. You're right. This 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 is when it comes to proactive reactive problems. The stuff that they're doing, what well, they had Lee Clark and uh, Mickey Collins on um, their post-match show. It's all well and good doing that, you know. But that, that's my generation of town. That's that's kind of, uh, you know, Michael Collins, Andy Olds, them lot. That's when I were growing up. You know, younger kids aren't going to be wanting to watch that on YouTube because they don't have a clue who they are. Who the fuck's Lee Clark? They're not going to know if they've only been watching since 2013. So, yeah, I, I applaud them for doing something different and doing something that not a lot of clubs will do that aren't you know probably top top in Premier League and they should that's a that's an interesting form of entertainment but it's not the communication you know that's the communications department doing as much as they can it's quite it's quite good actually and fair play to Dave and, and Adam at the club for doing that but you know it's it's a bugbear listen I I said it last week it's what it's what job is I know I know what's in a way I know what's happening Nothing's coming out because it's not good news. But you know what? Sometimes it's best to just rip that band-aid off quickly and tell the truth. Because when you tell the truth to people, when you say, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, lads, your train's cancelled because the Spanish train manufacturers provided a, def a, de a default set. And people at least understand. They're not happy about it, but they understand. If you keep covering up, they, they, they don't believe anything in the future. And I don't really believe anything anymore that comes out of the club because like you say Andy they're willing to go and talk shit you know which I don't know how people listen to it to be quite honest you know, six or six is bad enough having to listen to fucking Robbie Savage but um, you know do, doing that you, you can control it because you're not really to, the, these people when they're asking questions journalists are not going to ask about in particular they're going to ask about as a whole and they don't have to answer them difficult questions. There's a reason probably why they didn't even go to Radio Leeds or or the Examiner. Someone's got to give. And, uh, you know, I feel like Adam Roberts in the first episode said about his lad going disconnected. You said it. It's people I know who are becoming disconnected. They're, they're already realising, oh, it's quite nice to have a Saturday where I just go out with my kids or, you know, pot around in a garden or do something constructive. You know, if they've got to keep us in the loop. Uh, on the hook because you know, come for being you know I, I'm 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 a negative bastard when it comes to COVID. I I can't really see us back into next season at the earliest now. I, I think maybe maybe April might be at the back end of last season. Maybe this season should say 
for some trials, March, April, May. We're not going to get into the stadium for, for a while and will them 11,000 people sign up again? It's difficult. And listen, there are people going to be listening to this thinking we're going on about it like a broken record over and over and over again. We are because no one's changed and it needs to change. Well, B, we're doing this because we want the club to succeed. We want it to be the best it can be. That's where the criticism comes from. It doesn't come from criticism of state. For all criticism's sake, for my mercy, I, st- I went on Facebook for the first time yesterday, just out of interest to go on uh, was it the, the Facebook Championship banter page or whatever it is. There's people on there you know, posting stuff about all you moaners are really disappointed that we equalised. What? What is that the kind of pathetic world that we now live in where you know we can't even celebrate uh, an equaliser in the last minute, which is still... I think the best thing in football or a winner in the last minute, last minute goal. It's brilliant. That's what football's about. You know, people are, are, are battering down the hatches and it's going to become attritional and it's going to become fan on fan. And when it gets like that, I think I'm out. So yeah, only thing that remains to be uh, spoken about, the only thing we haven't covered is, uh, is, is what comes next on the pitch. There's been plenty of talk about what happens off it. Um, it's quite weird. We've got to look, we'll go, we'll go a week, uh, a week without, town football after we've just got back into the swing of things um got to watch england and kosovo and belgium and san marino and all that lot this weekend instead um but when we do come back to it and we play as swansea uh what's the prognosis what do we go for uh gonna be a total different team isn't it? sorry andy it's going to be a total different team this one though we don't know what's going to happen with the transfer market the the entire makeup of town's team could be so different and it will be different because we'll either have grant or we won't have grant if grant's gone i think there will be a couple of, of signings in. I think that that shot to the media last week was more in case he doesn't go. Um, as it is, the team that we have today, I want backers to beat Swansea at all. I want backers to get anywhere close. Swansea have got, I think they've got 10 points on beating four. They look pretty pretty good. Um, that was up until this weekend anyway. 3-0 defeat. I think we get absolute, I think we'll be taught a lesson there. I think if we get rid of Grant though and we... Um, we bring in some guys, then anything could happen under this system. The system is exciting me. Anything could happen, but we just need to bring the extra players in to make it a bit more unpredictable when it comes to creating chances and scoring goals. Yeah, I'd originally said it made one one nil Swansea, but I've looked just looked at the scores. You know, like six one Spurs, Man U, seven two Villa, Liverpool. So it's just we've no idea what's going to happen at the minute in in football world. I'm going to change my prediction to four three Town. <laughs> I'm going to say going on this run of form it could be anything couldn't we might be back to like the old Jordan Rose Theo Robinson days putting seven past Brighton and six past Wickham you know them, them were days um, <laughs> for me personally I don't know I'm looking at okay they've got an unbeaten run in the league so what three wins one draw I really can't see us getting anything off them I'm sorry uh, especially with it being uh, away so it's practically a European fixture this and it's, it's a big away day so no for me I'm going to go 2-0 Swansea um, obviously this is hindering on whether Grant is in the squad that's probably our best attacking outlet uh, but then again let's not forget he's not played in uh, donkey's years is he going to even be match fit so maybe it is best if he does go get a couple of lads in again <laughs> big ask as we've said um, so yeah unfortunately I'd love to be positive on the back of um, some good performances I'm going to have to go with two nice ones and on that note that's it from us I'm also with Cam on a 2 nil defeat by the way in two weeks time down at Swansea but who knows anymore and um, We've got some time left, hopefully, to see some movement in the transfer market, which would be very, very welcome. 
Let's wait and see. Thank you to Andy Kay, Cameron Pope and Ian Kilroy for joining me, Greg Marrett. Have a nice international break. Take, take a break, Huddersfield Town, because there's bound to be some outrage in the next week, 10 days or so, um, whether that be no signings or whether that be yet another appearance by uh, our CEO on national media rather than speaking to the fans. Thank you very much. Goodbye.